Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with bare premium plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. Insufficient data to formulate a reply. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I am Joe, joined as always by... Steve. Devin. Yeah. Well, and we're here to talk, of course, talk about another mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. If that's what you're into these days. Yeah. It's what the kids dig. Yeah. Until yeah. we become a cooking show. That's not till next week. <laughs> nah. Don't nah. tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> How to make ramen. Mm-hmm. Very good uh, at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this week, we're going to talk about a very famous lost treasure, which you've probably heard of. If you haven't heard about it, well, you're in for kind of a treat. This one is called Yamashita's Gold. Also known as the Yamashita Treasure. Uh, you probably know of it as Yamashita because that's how it's spelled, but it's actually pronounced Yamashita. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. I remember, because the first time I heard about this is, well, it was like two years ago when we talked to Roy Bainton, and he mentioned this uh, when we were talking to him mm-hmm. uh, after we had finished the recording, yeah. and he had mentioned it, and he'd call it Yamashita as well. So I just... A lot of people do. I, yeah, I figured that was the correct pronunciation. Good Apparently. thing you researched this and not me. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you never know. I mean, maybe his he, yeah. it's actually a name, like a somebody's given name. So maybe maybe he pronounced he actually did pronounce it Yamashita. The Yamashita of Yamashita's gold was General Tomoyuki Yamashita, who was in command of Japanese forces in the Philippines from 1944 to 1945. And as you know, what was going on back then is like you know, what, World wait, War what was II. going on? 
Oh, war. Oh. Yeah. The second big one. Oh. Yeah, the second. Uh, the uh, the Japanese had uh, been special guests of the Philippine people for a while now. Mm. <laughs> special guests. Special guests. <laughs> Got then, it, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, along about late 1944, a bunch of Americans with guns showed up and said something on the order, we want it back. Um, <laughs> this is ours now. Yeah, we're, we're going to take this here back. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the treasure, though. The, the treasure came from all over the place. The Japanese invaded and occupied a lot of countries before and during World War II, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Brutally. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, they were kind of harsh. Yeah. Uh, those countries include China, Korea, Burma, Malaya, uh, Dutch East Indies, Singapore, and, of course, the Philippines. And, of course, besides being kind of brutal, they also looted the places for all they could find. Like, so they took a lot of gold, silver, platinum, precious gems, and stuff like that. I mean, I would. I would, too. Hell. Yeah. yeah. Feel and, entitled at that point. Yeah. I worked so hard for this. Yeah. Yeah. According to some people, the, most of the loot was shipped down to Singapore, where it was reportedly was cataloged, and then it was shipped off to the Philippines, which is sort of on the way to Japan. From the Philippines, uh, the booty was sent on j- to Japan, supposedly, um, along with the valuables that they stole from the Philippines also. Mm. Uh, and nobody knows how much of the, this loot actually made it to Japan, if any of it. Well, I'm sure a lot of it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1942, though, after the Battle of Midway, the American Navy began to dominate the Western Pacific and uh, started sinking a lot of Japanese ships. So probably a few of these had loot on board also. Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Probably, yeah. 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 It's sitting down there waiting for you if you want to go find it. Get a snorkel. Yeah, I know. At this point, then, the treasure was kind of stuck in the Philippines because it's kind of wasteful to sit on a ship that's going to get sunk. So what to do? Uh, Bury it. Yeah, that's an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The U.S. invaded the Philippines in October 1944. Yamasha fought on for almost a year, uh, eventually surrendered in September 1945. And to keep himself occupied in the interim, he did the usual military stuff, but also started hiding all the loot so that it wouldn't fall into Yankee hands. Makes sense, right? Yeah. I do it. It is claimed that the treasure wound up being stashed in between 172 and 175 places, although I've heard other other stories where it just was stashed in one enormous cavern. Mm. That um, that and, is the one enormous ca- cavern is kind of the fantastic version that I've come across. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's the only, always the first one that pops up on your searches. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like it'd be easier. To just do one? Yeah. Depends yeah. on how much stuff you got, Just throw though. it all in that cave. Put it under the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that not... Excellent idea. Yeah, go recruit a dragon. I will. Make yeah. sure Indiana Jones doesn't show up and you're fine. You're fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been, always been my dream to find something like this, so wouldn't that be great? Yeah, anyway. Sure. Yeah, the method that they used was typically this. They would find a suitable hiding place, let's say a cave, and then a bunch of booty would be hauled in with soldiers or slave labor or both. Engineers would rig up booby traps so anybody trying to get in there would get killed. And then the cave entrance would be sealed or blasted shut with everybody inside. So that way they wouldn't be able to tell anybody where the, where the treasure was. That does sound a whole lot like Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want my whip and everything. We're, yeah. we're, we're going. We're going, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Incidentally, uh, Yamasta's gold was featured in, not even though it was not named, but it's in Neil, Stevens, Neil Stevenson's Cryptonomicon, which I know I plugged before. Yeah, I was going to say, you've mentioned this book before. Yeah. Spoilers! One of the main characters in the book is, uh, is, is a, a Japanese guy who 
wounds up getting conscripted in one of these, the, into hiding some, a fabulous amount of stuff in this cave. Because he's a clever guy, what they do is they seal it shut with him and a few other people inside it, and then they flood it. They divert a river, basically, to flood the cavern. Hmm. And, but he's, he's, engineered, uh, he's engineered himself a way out, so he actually escapes. Oh, yeah, right. way to spoil yeah. the book. I know, I know. I should have probably said yeah, spoilers. Plot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oopsie. Wait, wait, wait. Go back. We can. We'll edit it in. You ready? Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> the the legend of, of Yamashita's gold has never gone away, and for decades, people have been looking for this. A lot of people, and they're still doing it today. And quite a few of them have gotten killed trying. Also, weird. No, nobody has ever found the treasure except for. One guy named Rogelio Rojas, um, who we'll talk about a little bit later on. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, we'll talk, maybe if, if you're good. If, no, if I'm sorry. Lucky. I meant maybe he found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah she's right. He we'll maybe, talk, we'll talk about him. It. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or found a part of it. We totally misinterpreted that. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about theories then. All right. Let's so do that's, them. That's a pretty short summation. Um, so I guess we can talk about some of the theories. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot to go through here in theories. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, there's several theories. One is that uh, it's real and it's out there waiting to be discovered still. So this is, is it, are we doing kind of heading theories, right? Like we sometimes with my stories will do theory one, the gold is real. But. Sub theory one, the, the gold is real and this thing. Are we doing that sort of thing? Is that the construct mm-hmm. here? If by subhead the gold is real, most theories, and then subhead or heading to the gold is not real. All yes. right, yeah. fair, that's fair, a, fair. That's just, yeah, my so up. if we assume the gold is real, yes, yeah, the theories are the theories are that well, they just did a really good job hiding it, and uh, it has yet to be found. Can I? But that's not you know not really much to say about that one. Uh, so this is something that that struck me a little odd. If the, the Jap- if indeed the Japanese did gather all of this up mm-hmm. and they're looting everybody, mm-hmm. why is it always the gold that everybody talks about? Mm-hmm. There would have been all kinds of precious stones mm-hmm. and things like that. I imagine artwork would have been collected. Oh, yeah. But why is it we only ever talk about the gold? I don't understand mm-hmm. what the... I mean, I understand that people have an obscene... Uh, lust for gold but it's just funny mm-hmm. to me that that's the only thing that ever gets brought up oh yeah i, I just i just think that yamashita's gold sounds like a cooler title than you know yamashita's treasure maybe that's why I, well, maybe yamashita's salt I, stolen stuff yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. that doesn't sound so great yeah his loot his uh yeah but obviously they did they did gather up you know jewelry and gems everything and platinum and silver a lot of stuff besides gold yeah, yeah. they they hoovered it all up yeah, well, they kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're not the only ones that were doing that kind of stuff in that exact same time frame. I mean, that was kind of a common practice, but it's still, it's funny is that in this particular story that it's always just the gold that everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. So the Philippines are still, still do have enough kind of undeveloped lush areas that this is a feasible thing that it just hasn't been discovered yet. Yeah. Okay. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I have um... no, I, I gotta be honest. I have no kind of scope of how saturated the population is on the Philippines. Um, I, you know, I think it's, there's some, I, I don't know much about the Philippines, to be honest with you. I know some islands have a fairly decent sized population mm-hmm. and some are you know, practically deserted. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Cause that would be my question about this is, you know, is, is it even feasible that there would be 170 caches of well, it's a, yeah. it's a pretty big area. Yeah. yeah and a lot of you islands. know, most of those islands tend to have all of their 
pop, a majority of their population centered in mm-hmm. one or two major cities sure. or ports. Yeah. Mm. So that leaves a lot of undeveloped rural areas. Yeah. I yeah. think that's why everybody's kind of saying, well, it's still got to be out there. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I still don't know exactly how the number 172 hiding places, where that exactly came up from. Some And some of those are not all on land either. Some right. of them are like around 40 or so or are supposedly mm. underwater somewhere, there like in go. an underwater cave. Or, sure. Yeah. But I, I don't know. They found a map that he was playing tic-tac-toe on and yeah. interpreted every X as a location for it treasure. A, yeah, it was yeah. a connect the dots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, the, our next theory is this, which is that uh, Yamashita's gold really was real, but the Americans got their hands on it. Uh, this, and this theory is inva- advanced in a book that's called Gold Warriors by Sterling and Peggy Seagrave. Did you read any of this? Of uh, the book? Yeah. No, I I, um, I went out to Amazon.com and I read the description, and then I went to the reviews. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the reviews were very useful. <laughs> <laughs> they saved me from wasting my time with this. Well, I read, they, they put out some like three or four page summation of their stuff, and I found that, and I read through it, mm-hmm. and... They're really stretching, in my opinion. And I know we're oh, going to yeah. go into some of this, but I was really surprised at uh-huh. some of the correlations, and I'm using air quotes here, that mm. they made. Yeah, they took uh, they took a lot of liberties with the truth here. <laughs> well, we, yeah. let's, let's have it. So they, what, they, what they say is that intelligence operatives, probably from inter- interrogating captured Japanese, they got onto the scent of the booty somehow, and then um, they really couldn't interrogate and torture Yamashita, so they they grabbed his driver and tortured him for a while mm. until he confessed. And since he was Yamashita's driver, he was driving him all over to all, all these locations, presumably. So he was right able underwater to... and stuff. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and then they they used all this loot that they found to fund black operations all around the world, including, including bribing politicians, buying elections, and all kinds of stuff. Hmm. And their book is supposedly very well documented, but to find out the sources of their information, you have to buy a bunch of CDs separately from the book. Oh. Yeah. They don't actually list their their references and sources like every other book I've ever read does? Well, I, I think that they do have... I, I think they do have citations in the book, but but apparently if you want all their information, then you have to buy the CDs. Hmm. Yeah, and so um, and that's a whole separate price from the books. They yeah. found the gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. This, this is this is people where the buying gold their is. stuff. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like uh, kind of like the gold rush. You know, the guys who really made out like bandits were the guys that went and sold sold shovels and stuff like that to all mm-hmm. the prospectors. You know, yeah. the prospectors all went broke. Yeah, well, most of them did. Uh, anyway, my favorite my my favorite of all the the reviews on there was a one star review from a guy named Angus Waycott who has written a book called, a book called Sado, Japan's Island in Exile. And the, the Seagraves in their book claim that more than a thousand Korean slave laborers vanished without a trace on Sato Island. And they cite Angus Waycott's book to support this. But according to Waycott, his book says no such thing. And so that's, his, <laughs> like, that's a direct quote, right? Yeah. My Is book that says in his no Amazon review? Says, that, yeah, that, yeah, it was on the Amazon review. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, what else did he say? He said it was a deliberate mis- mis- misrepresentation, and he also said it was shameful. <laughs> there you go. And so, you know, after reading that review, I just figured I, I was going to leave it at that. Uh, I think you guys can go read the reviews on Amazon and uh, decide for yourselves. 
but I think support for this theory is not really uh, not really there. Well, and like I said, yeah. I I read some of their stuff, and it is really thin, and there is a lot of leaps of faith oh, made yeah. in it. Oh yeah, and a lot of a lot of the other critical reviews out there said the same thing. This yeah. is just poorly sourced. And one 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 guy said this would make a fine little thriller to read at the, read at the beach when you're on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't treat it as nonfiction. Nice. Yeah. So we'll put that theory to bed. All right. Yeah. Next, another theory is that under the gold is real thing is that maybe some Japanese soldiers who had knowledge of at least some of these places have, have gone back in the decades since and actually found some of this stuff and spirited, spirited it out of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Do, what, yeah. What does not make sense to you? Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking about the state of japan after the war and everything mm. that's going on well i'm not like talking you'd have about... to wait like you'd ha- somebody would have to wait at least a decade oh, or yeah. two before they could even think to do it oh yeah i mean no, you'd have to you'd have to wait a, a, quite a while just for um, the heat to die down just for emotions to die down in the philippines because let's face it they didn't behave themselves perfectly <laughs> when they were there no and no. so you'd probably want to wait a decade or two before you went back unless it was you know, in remote areas of the Philippines and you just get a boat. I mean... Oh, yeah, sneak on shore. Yeah, or it's a... not on shore. It's underwater and you just... Mm-hmm. Just come back. Yeah, that's that's a possibility. Uh, this is a this is a, a fine theory and it's entirely possible, but uh, it's sheer speculation. And I'm Oh, really, it's absolutely. Yeah, and I'm just throwing it in to waste everybody's time. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thanks, so, Joe. So, yeah, possible, but based on the evidence, I've got to give it a fail. I guess you could, um, you know, with that kind of gold, bribe some officials in the Philippines. Well, that's that's true too. I mean, you, you know? could you could go to them and just say, "Hey, look, I know where there's a huge stash of gold. Yeah, let's let, let's dig it up, and you can have half." Or you yeah. don't even say that, or you just pay them, sneak in, and if you get caught sneaking out, you say, "Here's some." Yeah, have a gold bar. Have some gold. <laughs> well, Good yeah, job. and as long as somebody melts it down, I'm assuming, of course, that it's in bar form and not uh-huh. in whatever original jewelry shape it was. If mm-hmm. it's in bar form, they're in turn going to have to get, turn around and melt it down themselves. The mm-hmm. whoever's being bribed, because what do they call it when they they stamp gold? Mm. I think it's called hallmarks. Okay, because yeah. it, it would definitely have that a hallmark on it to indicate mm-hmm. where it was from and i yeah. would, i would be a little i mean i guess if you're willing to take a bribe you don't really care where it came from mm-hmm. but that could cause a lot of uh, a lot of alarms to go off if you then turn around and try and pass that off do you think that was something that was documented like do you think they have records in the places that they were stolen from that these specific gold bars were stolen uh, they you know it, it just depends i mean if the, the records survived the war or not you know I mean, a lot of buildings got destroyed seems like the sort of buildings. thing you would destroy if you were taking stuff you might yeah but i mean if, if, if something is stamped you know such and such bank shanghai china you know then that's that's kind of a giveaway yeah sure. yeah and actually the hallmarks uh, do do play a small part in our story here in the future. Oh, that's right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's move on to our next theory. It's real, and somebody has actually found some of it. Oh, yeah. that's the theory. Yeah, that is the theory. Yeah, there is some evidence for this theory, unlike our our, our other theories, which are all kind of like not really much evidence, not really any evidence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is uh, Rogelio Rojas, and we're going to tell his story, and it's kind of interesting. 
There's more information on this one because it was litigated in the 1980s and 90s, and so there's a fair amount of information available for this, and people people testified in court and stuff like that. Oh, so there's yeah. that legal documentation. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was a lawsuit. Rogelio Rojas was a locksmith in Baguio City, the Philippines, which is on the island of Luzon, which, you know, for all of you who know all about the Philippines, is where Manila also is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the most populous island in the Philippines, but... Uh, again, I was I was too busy researching this to research stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, besides being a locksmith, was also a coin collector and a treasure hunter. And in 1961, he met a man named Albert Futagami in Baguio City, who was a fellow treasure hunter, and they became friends. Futagami was the son of a Filipino woman and a Japanese soldier, and uh, eventually Futagami uh, took Rogelio into his confidence and told him that his father had drawn a map identifying the location of one of the treasure troves of Yamashita's gold. Huh? Yeah, and he also, at the, around the same time, met this other guy who has an unpronounceable name, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, claimed to have served uh, as General Yamashita's interpreter during World War II. Yoshibio Okuba. Okubo? Okubo? Okubo. Okubo. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. He told him, the, this interpreter said that uh, during the war he had been taken to some tunnels controlled by General Yamashita in order to get some silver to pay for food for the troops. And he said he saw boxes of various sizes that contained gold and silver. And also he saw a golden Buddha statue, which was at a convent very, very close by. And uh, so with the clues that he got from this guy and the map that he got from Fuchigami, he partnered up with Fuchigami and they hired some laborers to search for the treasure. Hmm. Uh, they got a permit and everything for it. Wow. Yeah, you're supposed to, because it was on government lands. Sure. That they were going to be looking. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that would be important. Yeah, it kind of would be. Uh, in 1970, they began digging on, uh, near the Baguio General Hospital in Baguio City. And after seven months of searching and digging, they broke into a system of tunnels underground. You know, that's a good thing. If you're Usually. Looking for, yeah. It would be exciting. Yeah. Uh, in, inside the, the tunnel, they found wiring and radios, bayonets, swords, rifles, and a human skeleton. Wearing a Japanese army uniform. Mm. Yeah. Not, uh, to be fair, not that that was so uncommon for Japanese soldiers to have tunnels, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. No, not really. I mean, it's fairly common. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, yeah, for hiding in, you know, that, that kind of thing. Natural yeah. cave systems are great for that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if this was a natural cave system or what. It, oh, okay. It, it, I presumed sure. it was a natural cave. I... Even unnatural. I mean, that was that was a pretty solid part of their warfare strategy, wasn't it? It was mm-hmm. tunnels. Yeah, dig yeah, in. I think, yeah. I think a lot of armies do that. Yeah. So yeah. it's not, yeah. I, yeah. 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 Just because the tunnel exists doesn't mean treasure exists. Doesn't mean it was there for treasure, but they spent about a month in this tunnel, though. Uh, actually, it was a whole series of tunnels, and they explored, and, and they didn't find, any, find anything, and then Rojas got himself a metal detector and, mm. and went around and got himself a strong signal in one place. They dug a little bit, and they, they hit concrete, and they hammered through the concrete. I'm not, I'm not sure how long it took to break through, but... Uh, Weeks, it, probably. Yeah, it could be. They, they found a room below the, the, below the tunnel, and uh, inside this room, they found a gold Buddha. A solid gold Buddha. Uh. Yeah, which was, according to Rojas, about three feet in height. Uh, it, was, it was really heavy. It took 10 men to get it to the surface. They had to use a chain block hoist and ropes, and then they rolled it on logs through the tunnels, apparently. And uh, Rojas guessed it was probably about a metric ton, and he told his men to take it to his house and put it in a closet. Wait uh, a second. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Wait a second. What? Wait. 
It takes 10 guys to haul this out of the cave. And he's like, oh, yeah, and then take it to my house and put it in the closet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, how do you get the rolling logs through your house? Uh, this is unspecified. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm a, the, the, this whole part, this part of, this, the, of his story mystifies me. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's other parts that mystify you that mystify me too. But okay, uh, uh, he he did manage to persuade uh, persuade the jury to believe his story. I, I know, <laughs> I know, but yeah, I gotta be honest with you. The thing that mystifies me is that he was a treasure hunter who somehow didn't have a metal detector. Mm-hmm. Like he had to go out and say, "Oh, I'm gonna go get a metal detector." Yeah, nineteen seventy. Yeah, but I, in not... my mind, like. Treasure hunters, the staple of treasure hunting is metal detectors. Indiana Jones never had a metal detector on. He right. wasn't a treasure hunter. Yeah, he was. Well, he kind of was. He was an adventurer. <laughs> yeah. No, he was an archaeologist. He was an archaeologist. He had <laughs> even better reason to yeah. have a metal detector, and he didn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he had an interesting style when it came to archaeology. Yeah, that was what the whip was. <laughs> Just go in and steal some stuff. Yeah. Poke, yeah. poke the walls. Yeah. 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 Sorry, not to, we just yeah. Derailed. We just got Sorry. way off on the side there. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Back at the um, Rojas. Yeah, back to Rojas. Uh, Rogelio, about fifty feet from where the Buddha was, there was a big stack of boxes. They were stacked five or six high, over an area over an area six feet wide and thirty feet long, roughly. And he came back the next day and opened one of the boxes, and it contained twenty-four bars of gold. And he didn't open any of the other boxes. Now I got this weird to me. Well, yeah, and I got this from, he gave, he actually died before this whole thing went to trial, but he gave a deposition before, and then, so this is from the court's documents, mm. so this is, this is from the mouth of Rogelio. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem a bit odd. Uh, I mean, I would be, if I saw a pile of boxes, I would open them right up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. there would be snakes in one, though. That's so a good point. So I wouldn't open them right now. No, yeah, you open one, and it was like the right door, right? It was yeah. the, you, you chose the right door, so you just stay. You, you just don't stay open all that. the rest of the doors. <laughs> that, makes, that makes total sense. I know. Yeah. That's why I am the one of us that keeps finding all the treasure. Uh-huh, yeah. And I'm the one that gets bit by snakes. Yeah. Yeah. I scream like a little girl. Yeah. Uh, about a, uh, several weeks later... Uh, they don't specify exactly in the court documents. Uh, he returned because he wanted to seal the tunnel closed. And so he was going to use dynamite to blast it closed sure. for, for safekeeping of the treasure, right? He returned to shut it. Uh, he took the 24 bars of gold then and also some samurai swords and bayonets and other souvenirs. And some weeks went by after that. This is, by the way, the, the, the they found the Buddha and the gold on January 24th, 1971. Okay. So this is about... this is. In February, when he's blasting it shut, blasting the hole shut. And some time went by, and he sold seven of the gold bars, and he was looking for a buyer for the golden Buddha. And his plan was to raise funds to go back and get the rest of the gold bars, which, you know, okay. That's a strategy. Yeah, yeah. I guess sell sell a small amount of treasure to fund getting the rest. Yeah, yeah I got it. Because yeah. it'd be heavy. You would need a mm-hmm. lot of Oh, stuff. you'd need a lot of manpower. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in April '71, he 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 had showed the Buddha to two other people, and then he showed it to a third buyer, a guy named Joe Oyahara, who um, said he was interested. And he said he would come back in several days with a million pesos as a down payment. After he left, Rojas got curious about the Buddha, and he took a closer look at it, and he found out that the head was removable. So he got the head off of it, and he looked inside, and there was a compartment inside inside the Buddha that was filled with stones, which looked like uncut diamonds. So he scooped them hmm. out. He said there are about two handfuls of uncut diamonds inside the Buddha. 
he put the head back on. He, he put the uh, diamonds, I guess, in a bag and put them in the closet next to the Buddha. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy's got a great safe system. Yeah, I know. I don't know. If it took 10 dudes to carry the Buddha out, it's not exactly going to walk up. But the bag know, of diamonds away. will. The bag that of diamonds might, I would yeah. have taken out in my backyard and buried or something. Yeah. yeah. I think so. We know. Yeah. We've yeah. searched in your backyard. I mean, we've yeah. never <laughs> we, we helped you install that patio. We yeah. were digging for treasure. It's, it's booby trapped, by the way, so don't go near Don't go near it. Okay. Yeah. So four days after Joe Oihara came over to look at the Buddha, at 2.30 in the morning, eight men from the Criminal Investigation Service and the National Bureau of Investigation came pounding on the door and demanded to be let in. And uh, they said they had a search warrant. So after Rojas opened the door, these eight guys come inside. They are wearing military uniforms, and they've got Joe Oihara with them. Uh, and they showed him a document that they said was a search warrant. And the soldiers beat on Rojas's brother with their rifles and made the whole family get on the floor. And then when they left, they took the Buddha, uh, also the diamonds, the remaining 17 bars of gold, the samurai swords, uh, a piggy bank belonging to the kids. That's and, low. And his wife's coin collection. So they, they, uh, they, they had cleaned much, them out. Pretty much cleaned them out, yeah. Mm. Uh, so Rojas reported it to the media and also the local police. He also went to uh, this, this judge who he knew. His judge's name was Pio Marcos. And he apparently was related to Ferdinand Marcos. I guess at, at one point, Rojas used to work for him, and that's how they knew each other. And also, Marcos, uh, uh, Judge Marcos was the guy that he went to to get the permit to dig on state lands. Okay. I probably forget to, to mention that. Uh, he, he had noticed Marcos's signature in the search warrant that the police had showed him. And he asked why he had signed the search warrant. And uh, Marcos said that he had no choice because Ferdinand Marcos had ordered it. He said he'd ordered the confiscation. The whole pretext for them coming into the house is Joe O'Hara's companion had claimed to have seen the illegal gun in the house. Mm. So he fi he filed the complaint. But this guy apparently had connections to Marcos also. So anyway, word had gotten back to Marcos so that there was gold and a Buddha and all this stuff. We uh, all know who Ferdinand Marcos is, but yeah. I don't know that all of our listeners do. Mm. So you might want to want to let some people know who we're alluding to here. Yeah, good point. Ferdinand Marcos was president of the Philippines, I, I believe, from 1965 to 1986. I know he was definitely he was deposed in 1986. Right, I do yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. He he eventually became you know supreme dictator and all that stuff. Lots of human rights abuses. Eventually, there was a revolution in 1986. And, and he was ousted, and he and his wife Imelda of the 800 shoe collection. Yes, Imelda Marcos. Pair, so yeah, they uh, they went to political asylum in America, and they wound up living in Hawaii. And that's how we've got all of this because the lawsuit that you're referencing for this material mm -hmm. is was filed in Hawaii. Yeah, it was. Uh, Judge Marcos also appeared angry, according to Rojas, that he had reported the case to the police and the media, and said as, as a result he would likely be killed. Mm. Uh, yeah, so. Rojas interpreted that as a threat, so he went into hiding for a little while. And then, uh, not too long after that, April 19, 1971, the military deposited a Buddha statue with the city court in Baguio City. Hmm. Apparently the same one. Well, this was in I, I response don't quite understand. To, so what did they do? They they put it out front? Or? No, they, they took it. They turned it in. At the, as like evidence? The, or? Because, uh, I don't know, I guess. I, that, the court doesn't really say why, but they, they basically took it in there and said, here's his, here's his Buddha back, because in response to all the unwanted attention mm. that he'd been calling. They said, so, oh, we found, oh. This, so, we found this Buddha. So, yeah, we confiscated it, but here it is back. Returns you know. yeah, we just got thought, it. We thought it might be a dangerous we Buddha We thought it was a something. bomb or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Smiling Buddha. Yeah, you know. I know. 
Uh, ten days after that, Rojas went to the courthouse in Baguio City, where the Buddha was. He was accompanied by a couple of bodyguards uh, and a lawyer and miscellaneous reporters. And he examined the Buddha, and he said it was not the same Buddha that was in it that was taken from his house. He claimed its color was different. He said it had different facial features. Claimed the head was also not detachable. Uh, and so. I'm not so sure about this because I've seen pictures of him. His brother took pictures of him with the gold Buddha, two pictures of him. They're kind of low resolution, but you can see the Buddha pretty clearly. I don't know if you guys ever saw those pictures. No, I didn't. And there are also, there's also one from, uh, uh, from the trial, will lead up to the trial of, uh, of Imelda Marcos looking at a Buddha. It looks like the exact same Buddha to me. He claims that the facial features are different, so it looks like the exact same. Buddha. But do you know that the one that Amelda Marcos is in front of isn't the one that they were trying to return to him? That is, that's, yeah, so that's the, the one that they were trying to return. He claimed was not the same right. as, as, as his original one. Right. But I, I've seen the pictures from before the Buddha was confiscated and then after. And they look exactly the same to me. Mm. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, he did, you know, he made some claims about. Uh, markings on it from tests that were run and stuff, and I know that that yeah. got refuted. And there's some there's some controversy around that itself. Yeah. But but the the fact that the head doesn't come off, if he said the head comes off, that's mm-hmm. kind of a important thing. Yeah, that would be kind of an important thing. But the thing about it is, is um, he could have been faking that too because he had a hard time getting the head off. Or he originally didn't didn't know for quite a long time that the head came off. Yeah. And he, well, uh, yeah, and, and if and ten we, guys are hauling it around, I've got to guess they knocked it over at least once uh-huh. by accident. Yeah, you would think the head would have popped off. Maybe. I, it took him. He had to whack the head with a piece of with a, like a two by four to oh, get did it to come off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he could have said, "Yeah, it comes off real easy," and then, "Oh, it doesn't come off." Okay. But, okay. Mm-hmm. I thought initially that the head was just loose. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. It actually was hard to get off. But the, I mean, the pictures do show that the head was off. Mm-hmm. In one of the black point. and white pictures, yeah, yeah, they yeah. Show that. So that at least we know it did actually come off. It did actually come off on the original Buddha, and and again the the, the one uh, the one that they left at the courthouse appeared to me to be the same. Yeah, uh, I mean they look they look pretty, pretty much, similar. They look pretty identical. It's hard to tell with resolute you know photo resolution of the time mm-hmm. if the color is actually different and it's a different angle and there's mm-hmm. like rope around the one in the black and white pictures versus mm-hmm. the one in the court there's not the rope yeah so it's hard to tell you know lines that your eyes make without the rope they might not make it's hard to tell i don't know yeah. i I, don't know. I I personally think the one with the rope that you can still see enough features like look at the pet. they're not the same they're not no i'm looking at it right now um, if you look at the one that he has, it's got, uh, you know, the line on your face that runs from the corner of your nose, the nasal labial fold. Yes. That one. Yeah. I don't know how the hell you know that, but I, I actually, as, as I've looked at the photos and I had to pull them up real quick just to double check, I kind of think that they look different i mean i as we were saying i see differences in in the face it's hard to tell for me just because it's i i think they the they hit me as two different images right but i can't say we'll see in this image it's this and this image is that because the resolution is so low in the original two yeah, and they're is. from a different angle than any of the other ones and are the from. style at the time there were they're very stylistically similar well yeah they're from the same era yeah they're very very similar but there's i see differences in the face so mm-hmm. i i personally i don't think they're the same one mm-hmm. just based on what i've seen in the photos mm-hmm. i don't know what i yeah. think uh his brother jose 
who was there at the house when the police showed up and took the took it away? He he testified years later. Of course, he he looked at it and testified that it was the same Buddha. That's what his brother said. So yeah, yeah. So I don't know, confused. Well, but they do. They look very very similar. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, back to Rogelio. Uh, at this point, he went through a kind of a difficult three year period. He was arrested, beaten, tortured with electric shocks. They wanted to know. They wanted to sign papers, first of all, saying that the two Buddhas were the same, and they also wanted to know where he'd found it, because obviously, and the gold bars. Mm. Yeah, and uh, he refused to talk. Uh, he, they let him go, but then he was rearrested. He managed to escape. He went into hiding for a while. Eventually, was caught again. Uh, in 1973, he was convicted of possession of an illegal gun and unlawfully firing a revolver into the air. I don't know if that was true or not. I mm. think the government had it in for him at this point in time, and so it might have been entirely bogus. But he went to jail for about a year and a half and said that he would continue to be beaten and interrogated in prison. When he arrived home from prison in no- November 1974, back to Baguio City, he uh, went by the treasure site, and he noticed soldiers were standing outside tents near the near the hospital right at the treasure site. Where they had done their excavation. Mm. Yeah, well, that's where they found the tunnels, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rogelio, at this point, kind of figured they probably had found his treasure, and, and so he gave up on pressing his claims and mm-hmm. didn't do anything more about it uh, until after Marcos was deposed in 1986. Mm-hmm. Then he filed suit in March 1988 in Hawaii uh, against uh, against both of the Marcuses for theft and also for human rights abuses. A lot of the information I'm going to show you here comes from the comes from the trial. As, as far as him seeing soldiers at the dig site, the treasure site, there were two witnesses that backed that up. They both worked at the hospital, and they both said that they saw a lot of soldiers and laborers digging around back there, and they said they saw them carrying out boxes or crates that appeared to be extremely heavy. It would be like take like four to six guys to carry one of these boxes. Uh, and and one of them said actually one time that he saw a box get dropped and it broke open and a bunch of yellow bars came out of it. So that kind of... That's that indicative kind of, of... That kind of yep. backs up Rogelio's story. Yeah. Uh, another guy named Robert Curtis uh, owned a, a mining and refining business and he said he was brought over to the Philippines at the behest of Marcos because he wanted him to melt down a bunch of gold bars to get rid of the, the hallmarks and, and cast new bars out of them. Mm. So he actually did some work for them in building, in building a smelter. I don't know why they had to call it Get Him. There had to be somebody in the Philippines who was capable of doing this. But. I'm wondering if it was the scale. Yeah. The scale of the, the scale operation. Of yeah, because apparently, yeah, he, he, saw, he saw a room uh, in the presidential palace that was like 40 by 40 feet that was stacked to the ceiling with gold bars, he claims. That's a pretty big scale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a nice lot. That's a nice little bit of gold there. Yeah. Although, you, I, you know, if anybody that knows about the gold market, that much gold would flatten the economy globally. Yeah. You couldn't uh, you couldn't just dump it on the market all at once. No. You'd have to dribble it out a little bit at a time. No, I yeah. mean, we've assigned this, ra- this random figure or value to gold. There is nothing special about gold. It's just mm-hmm. this thing we all covet. Mm-hmm. So it we give it this value. And when you flood the market with it, it's not worth anything anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. So you're right. not going to be, you know, I'm going to sell all the gold and become super rich. No, yeah. you're not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're can, you can, yeah, just going to have to dribble it out a little at a time. It's probably a good way to attract less attention, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There were uh, several other people who testified at the trial that they had also been shown rooms full of gold bars at both palaces. They had a summer palace and a regular palace. And, of, course. of course. Yeah, yeah. And one guy said he'd also seen been taken blindfolded and taken to a warehouse. And then, because he had questioned the existence of all the gold, and so they, 
he saw this huge stack of crates and, and then he, they opened one up and it, it it was full of gold bars although he said they were rather crudely made so these might have been some of the resmelted ones mm-hmm. they said they were they had finished like an orange peel mm. yeah yeah that's not normal yeah it's not great either. yeah i know so between all these between all these people uh testifying at the trial that was enough to convince the jury that uh, rogelio rojas was telling the truth uh, and they certainly believed all the human rights stuff too so they mm. awarded well awarded, there was plenty of evidence of that yeah oh yeah i know they awarded uh, the, the Rojas Estate and the Golden Buddha Corporation. I forgot to mention the, Bull, the Golden Buddha Corporation. He got a friend in the U.S. to incorporate, uh, and then he signed his interest in the treasure over to the Golden Buddha Corporation. And Rogelio was a shareholder in the corporation. Mm. Yeah, and so, and so, I, maybe that maybe that's easier to sue in an American court if it's an American corporation versus a Filipino guy. Um, Possible. Yeah. Sounds possible. Yeah. Uh, in 1996, the jury awarded the Rojas Estate and Golden Buddha $22 billion plus interest. Plus so, interest? Oh yeah, gosh. with the interest, it came to over $40 billion. <laughs> wow. The largest judgment in history. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah, unfortunately, the Hawaiian Supreme Court reversed this a couple of years later uh, on the grounds that even though there was a stack of boxes, nobody actually knows what was in them. It's just a reasonable assumption to assume that they were all full of gold, since one was, but actually... But like I said, it could have been snakes. It could have been snakes. It could have been dirt. Yeah. yeah. It could have been food that had long since rotted away. It could have been... Could have been Dracula. It could have been stacks of unicorn horns. It could <laughs> yeah. have been pixie dust. Those are actually worth more than gold, though, so this that would have mm-hmm. meant this stood. Yeah. That's good. That's a good point. Uh, so the, the, the Supreme Court ordered a new hearing to value just the golden Buddha and the 17 bars of gold. And also a few other things like the coin collection, the uh, piggy bank, the piggy bank. bank. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, and so, like, and by the way, I've read the, the course, I've read the whole opinion, and uh, it's pretty obvious they think the claim of the solid gold Buddha is pure BS. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Like when they talk about the, the Buddha, they, talk, they, they, they call it the gold Buddha in it, you know, in, in quotes. In quotes, the gold Buddha. So it's, it's, yeah, they obviously are unconvinced. But the jury, it doesn't really matter. The jury was convinced, I guess. So from a legal standpoint, that's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. And the next go-around, they were awarded $13 million in change for the Buddha and the gold bars and, and all the other stuff. And the Rojas estate was awarded $6 million for the human rights abuses. Cause, because at this point, Rogelio was dead, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention he died in 1993. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. He died kind of young, really. Uh, well, I, he, yeah. uh, there was some stress that happened. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, two years after he died, this, this would have been in 1995, his brother, Jose, commenced an action at the regional trial court in Baguio City asking for a release of the Buddha since they still had it in their custody all these years later, and uh, they wanted it to have it back as a memento to Rogelio. Hmm. And, Were uh, they going to use it as like a headstone? Uh, Paperweight. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just put it in the yard. A the headstone would be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, nobody will ever get rid of that memo. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah. At the initial hearing, uh, he testified that he'd been present when the raiding party took the Buddha out of his out of out of the house, and the court told him to take a look at the Buddha that they had there and say, "Is this the same one?" And he said it was. Uh, and then at a second hearing, Jose said he tes- testified under oath that the Buddha that had been at Rogelio's house was made of lead or copper. But reporters had added that the Buddha was made of gold, so it might have been the press actually puffed this up a little bit. Mm. Yeah. He also said that Rogelio Rojas knew it was made out of lead or something and not gold, but he said that 
Rojas had claimed it was gold because he had been bribed by opposition politicians to do to do this. Hmm. Yeah. Wait, explain that to me. Uh, uh, the opposition politician bit. Yeah, in, in the Philippines. Yeah. He'd been bribed by politicians to say this to pump the story up. Oh, yeah. to then uh, to throw make... dirt at Marcos. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Okay, okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't make that connection right away. So that sort of that sort of impugns some of his other claims, I guess. Uh, oh, and by the way, as a counterpoint to that, the, the same trial record also had a letter uh, to the judge sent by Daniel Cathcart, who was the attorney for Golden Buddha and the Rojas estate. And his letter said that Imelda had met with Jose Rojas and offered him money to petition the court for the brass Buddha and then falsely identify it as the same one as had been taken from Rogelio. Mm, so that's confusing. plot thickens. I know. It's, yeah, it is. And that's, that's, I guess that's possible. Um, so the, the Buddha that was in the court custody had been brass all along? Brass or lead. Or lead or I, something. It, it, it wasn't to me gold. like it's painted, and if it really weighed as much as they, as they, as they said it did, then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking lead. Yeah, it would have yeah. to be lead. Yeah. But so that that was the case, right? It wasn't it, the but, one that was in, was in court custody wasn't, in fact, full gold. No. Okay. It wasn't gold. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Did Rogelio Rojas find Yamashita's gold, or at least some of it? Now, he might have. Um, Un- Unsolved Mysteries did an episode about this before he died, mm. and he, was, he had a lot of FaceTime on camera. And he seemed sincere and believable, but I still have a few problems with this story. Such as? Such as he spots a huge pile of boxes near the Buddha, but he didn't bother opening a single one until the next day. Well, that's a that's... lot of work to get the Buddha out. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Tired. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Buddha could have been blocking the way to the boxes, right? They had to move it before he could get to the boxes, and by the time mm. they got it out, he was like... Coming back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> could be. Yeah, but again, I, I I would be I would be hugely curious about what was. In I would boxes. too, but yeah. you know, I would step over the three foot tall Buddha <laughs> yeah, and go away. open up a box. Fair, but... fair, fair. Yeah, that's yeah. just me. Yeah, he left the box of gold bars, twenty four gold bars, sitting in the tunnels for several weeks. So we're talking like three four weeks before he came back and retrieved them and then blasted the tunnel shut. Mm-hmm. Would you do that? No. No. That's... You either be, continue to pull stuff out or you shut it up right away. Exactly. But he might not have he might not have known what he was going to do. He may have thought I can continue to pull this stuff out, suddenly realized he was out of money and selling the gold he had mm. wasn't going as quickly as he expected. Mm. I mean, people do this stuff in business all the time. Oh, don't worry about it. We'll have this totally taken care of in like two days. No big deal. Three weeks later, they still have nothing done. Mm. It happens. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, I still feel like it would have... It would have driven me crazy. I mean, I found that if I found this tunnel, and I know that there's at least 24 gold bars sitting there, and that anybody could just one of the people that I that one of the laborers that I had hired, for example, knows where it's at. He could go back there with his buddies and steal all that gold. Yeah. You know? But he never opened the boxes in front of those people. Uh, but maybe still, that's why uh, he didn't open the boxes. Maybe he wanted to. That's that's a possibility. Uh, but still, if those people saw the pile of boxes, then I, wouldn't you, wouldn't you, I mean, you're not real, hey, there, you're one of the laborers, you see the pile of boxes, aren't you going to go and, uh, pry one open yourself? So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, most people would. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just saying this is from, from if I were Rogelio, I would not be able to sleep 
knowing that this tunnel was open and that the people that had seen the pile of boxes could go back at any time and take yeah. them. Or knowing that some random dude could just come along and discover the opening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and go in there and, and discover and take all this stuff. I agree. You know, I wouldn't be able to sleep. And yet he went several weeks. Yeah, I with agree. Just leaving all the gold in there. I, okay. So I think, uh, as we've done in the past, we're presuming that the crew is with him and in there working the entire time and therefore intimately familiar with mm-hmm. everything that's going on when, in fact, they mm-hmm. were hunting around in a bunch of freaking caves for weeks on end. Yeah, that's true. And they it is possible not. that once he found the, the, the concrete bit that he had to break through, that he was like, oh, well... I don't want to pay anybody else to do it. I'll just swing a sledgehammer for a day and broke through it himself uh-huh. and then said, you know, hired these how 10 men or whatever it took, said, uh-huh. hey, I have this thing in this tunnel I want you to pull out. Uh-huh. And they just, una- completely different than the other crew, maybe, uh-huh. unawares, walk in, oh, yeah, this thing's heavy, yeah. and haul it out and have no idea what they're walking into. Well, you know, it's true enough, but still, there's still the possibility that some random dude could discover the cave discover you're, the you're right there i'm just saying and, that it, it it may not have been a situation where the workers knew what was going on mm-hmm. to then get the idea of well i'm gonna go back on my own and see what it really is mm-hmm. yeah maybe not i don't know but i still i still would not have left that pile of gold sitting there oh no long. me either no i mean i don't think anybody would you'd right? have to be guano crazy to do that yeah pretty much i think so yeah Next, he was trying to sell the Buddha to raise funds to finance the removal of the boxes of gold bars in the tunnel. But he sold seven gold bars. That was that should have netted him a big punch of money. Yeah, it yeah. should have. Unless he got swindled. Well, or I'm, didn't know the value of the gold he was getting. Oh, I'm sure. Or it wasn't high quality gold. I mean there's there's a bunch of ores here. Well, I'm sure yeah, I'm sure he had to sell it at a discounted price. I'm sure he didn't get full gold value for it. But it may not have been 22 or 24 karat gold. It could Mm -hmm. have been low-quality gold, which therefore is worth less money. Yeah, but still, it would have been worth quite a bit. It would have been worth a chunk of change, but then you, you, if if you say it's low quality, and then you're selling it at a cut rate, and then you don't really know what that cut rate should be, mm -hmm. so your gold buyer, who's kind of a a swindly little guy, Mm -hmm. knocks you down even more, you could be getting, uh, you know, 10 or 20% of what the value of what you're selling is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it still should have been enough to fund some more, some more hauling out of stuff. I agree. since I, you know, my question is, is like, why? Why not just do a couple bars a day? Uh-huh. <laughs> you just walk over to your little cave, right? I mean, it, I, the impression I have is that it was close to his home. Uh-huh. You just walk over there and throw a couple in a box and mm-hmm. you know put it over your shoulder and walk home. And do that. I would. Why? Know. Like, what's the financing need? I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, like I, to do it in one fell swoop, of course you need the financing. But yeah, you know what I would do is I, what I would have done is I would have just hired, you know. Hired some laborers, people that were trustworthy, that knew weren't going to kill me for the gold or anything, mm-hmm. and just say, "Look, you help me with this, I'll give you each a couple of bars of gold." Yeah, yeah, that works too. Yeah, that's what I would have done. I would have too, but hey. The the one thing that I I I like the idea of just going and packing out a couple of bars a day, mm-hmm. except that gold bars, even when they're little ones, they're freaking heavy. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think, a, and I'm I don't know the exact number, 
but I'm going to ballpark it between 50 to 70 pounds is what I want to say a, a bar of gold weighs. So yeah. throw it in a backpack. Yeah. But that means you can carry one two, or two. Maybe three. A ve- no, not three in a backpack. A very yeah. physically fit person could pack three a day, but you pack that for five, ten miles, that's a, that's a workout and a half. Oh yeah, so you'll that, get, you'll that would get be exhausting shape. and and a daunting task. Well, you're gaining money for it's gaining very muscle. True. Yeah, you're not. You know, it's like the best gym workout except for free. Absolutely. I mean, actually, I... you're getting paid a lot of money for it because yeah. that was the other thing, right? Is that the the cost of gold per ounce was like almost nine hundred bucks at that point, right? I don't remember. Eight hundred and fifty, thirty something. It was more than. It had climbed up a ways from there. I think it might have been. It might have been more like five or six hundred even back. But even then, if, you, if we're saying it's 50 or 70 pounds, right, we're saying it's like 400-ish ounces. Yeah, that's, if you're getting, that's a standard. 400 is kind of the I standard mean, if you're, weight. I mean, if you're getting even $500 per mm-hmm. ounce, mm-hmm. that's incredible. That's a lot of And even for... if you're only making 20% of that, uh-huh. you should be able to easily finance with one bar, yeah. getting the rest of that stuff out of there. Absolutely, especially since labor in the Philippines is really pretty cheap. Yeah, and then you just say, oh, you know, or again, you just say, here's a bar. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, that's everybody, a everybody help me out, money. and I'll toss a bar your way. Yeah. yeah. The next thing I want to know is, who did he sell the bars to? He sold seven bars, supposedly. Yeah. Who His did... lawyers never asked him. Yeah, they, that they seems wrong. They never asked him, because after all, that guy would have been a great witness, because it would have established that Rogelio that Rogelio did indeed have some gold bars in his possession. Also, they couldn't find somebody to lie about it, even if I know. Was like, <laughs> what kind I of lawyers gold bar. are you? Not much of a lawyer. Uh, yeah, so evidence regarding the gold bars is really pretty thin when we come down to it. Uh, another thing that I, was, I, I really kind of scratched my head over is that his partner and friend, Al, Albert Futsugami, was never heard from. They didn't track him down. They didn't track down any of the hired laborers, perhaps, that helped out in their little dig and had them testify. Well, it may have been that they didn't know who the laborers were. Well, possibly. They because just, they're just guys he hires. And maybe Albert's dead by now. I don't know. Yeah. But still, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of surprised that they were not able to find any of those people. But, and that, that, they would have been, that would have been something that they would have been able to just do like a deposition in the Philippines for, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the trials were happening in Hawaii. It's yeah. not cheap to fly people places. It's not... Yeah. No, they can... Not everybody wants to fly places, so that would have been right. Yeah. That's what we're saying: is we could have just gone to, could have gone to the Philippines. They could have just done yeah. some yeah. positions. Okay, oh, yeah. great. Oh, just yeah. wanted, to, wanted to be clear. Yeah. Statement on the record. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, long story short, I um, I really don't think Rogelio found anything other than a lead Buddha. <laughs> because again, <laughs> the, the people the people who actually saw the, the boxes. And we don't know how many people other than Rogelio saw the boxes, but and any of those people that saw it were never never part of this whole thing. They never testified. So we we only have Rogelio's word that there were this there was this huge pile of boxes. And so I'm kind of thinking maybe he only found the lead Buddha and nothing else. Well, and furthermore, there were there were a lot of people who testified that they saw the boxes, but at Marcos's palaces, right? Well, now, yeah, they said some people said they saw boxes, not necessarily the or exact even same just boxes. Gold. They also saw just stacks and stacks of right. Gold so bars. there's really no evidence to suggest that Marcos stole that stuff. Yeah, the only away, right that yeah, it, the only real evidence was, was the dig at the hospital. Yeah, yeah, which seems to be supported. Yeah, but also, uh, in fairness. If you just kind of figured out that this guy who's been claiming all this stuff, that's where he claimed to have been digging, it might warrant a dig just mm. to see. 
mm-hmm. even if it was a lie. You know, you wouldn't know. You'd just say, oh, yeah, this guy said he found a bunch of gold here, so we'll go dig there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. What's the harm? You have a lot of military. I know. Just, just yeah. Send those guys. Well, I mean, there were other uh, other people involved, too, besides Roy Halio, so somebody else might have uh, might have squealed. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you didn't hear from them. Yeah. That could be. Well, let's move on to our last theory. So, Danny, do you guys have anything more to say about Rogelio? Do you no. think he found it? Do you think he? Do you think he didn't find it? No. Um, no, but I can't believe this is our last theory. You've left <laughs> one out. Oh, oh, Mr. Gold. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. We can talk about Mr. Gold. Well, we'll talk to Mr. We'll talk about Mr. Gold after this because Mr. Gold is mostly just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Our last theory. Uh, Yamashita's gold is just an urban legend. In favor of this, I have to say, a lot of people have been looking for the treasure for decades now, and they haven't found a trace of it. Hmm. And so you would think somebody would have found something by now. It does and, seem suspicious. Yeah, yeah, also, why would the Japanese send everything to the Philippines? Uh, it it would have made it more, really, it would really would have made more sense to ship it overland, say, to Shanghai or Korea, which are much closer to Japan, and go from there. Um, and if it did wind up, and it was too, if it was too risky to take to, to Japan on ships from the Philippines... Assuming it had wound up in the Philippines, and why not just use submarines? Well, the yeah. other the other thing that I wonder is if if they're putting everything on a boat and they're taking it somewhere, mm-hmm. why wouldn't they take it to the mainland? Because they they controlled huge chunks of the mainland at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could have taken it to Korea, which is kind of in a straight line. Mm-hmm. It's one of the shortest water distances to Japan from the mainland. Yeah. And then you make the run from there. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's your narrowest. Yeah, that's, that's what Joe's saying. That's yeah. what I was saying, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what I, that, that would have made more sense. <laughs> We're all arguing the same okay. thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and Shanghai is, is actually, it's, it's probably, it's a little further away, but still it's a lot, hell of a lot closer than the, than the Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really see why they would ship all that stuff to the Philippines to begin with. It, it it also seems to me that if it did wind up in the Philippines, that getting on that loop back to Japan would have been a very high priority, don't you think? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> that would have been a and say so they would have found a way to do it, submarines, whatever, you know, yeah, they would have planes, done it. something. Yeah, uh, against this theory is uh, it's been proven that the existence of urban legends is itself an urban legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, no, I mean, really, people don't just make stuff up. No, 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 no they never don't. happened. Never, yeah. never happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you guys have any favorites? What's what's your favorite theory? Oh, were we going to talk about? Oh, we're going to talk about Mr. Gold for a second. Oh, okay. Because I came across this one, and when I when I saw your notes, I was laughing that you had intentionally left out Mr. Gold because he loves gold because his name is Mr. Gold. I know. Which is a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Would a pseudonym be the right word? Yeah. It's a, yeah, because we don't know who this guy is. He's the American Free Press dot net, I believe it is, has been putting out his story. They put it out over the course of like six months or a year. Some guy who is uh, an American citizen says he went down there and he found all the gold and he hired a company to to excavate it and pack it out. And that company never showed. Years later, he gets some of it, and then suddenly the Fed show up at his door because his name is on record with this other company, the, the one that never showed up, which, by the way, the name of the company is BIM Incorporated, which the BIM is in capital letters. But if you look at it and you flip it around, because I do word jumbles all the time, it's yeah. MIB, yeah. as in Men, Men in, in Black, Black. Yeah. Men in Black Incorporated. And uh, so now he's been detained by the U.S. government because he's got 
you know, a hundred trillion dollars worth of gold. And he's on these trumped up mail fraud charges is why he's still in jail. And it's in, it's a, it's a fun tale. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll leave it at that as it's just, it's a really fun tale, but nothing of it even smells remotely of truth. Uh, no, <laughs> not even slightly. Yeah. Work of fiction is yeah. what I would say on that one. But it's, it's, it's one of the things that uh, you find. It's one of the initial things you find when you start searching for this story. So that's yeah, why I wanted to make sure we include it. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it does come up, but yeah, it's obviously nonsense, but so, uh, yeah, what, what do you guys think? Have any favorite theories? I don't think it actually exists. Yeah, me neither. I don't think they would have taken the time. If they're looting jewelry and everything from everyone and it's full of precious gems, that's a lot of work to separate everything and then melt it down and then pack that out instead of just chucking it in a box and packing it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also think that um, if soldiers are looting things... <laughs> They're probably gonna keep that stuff. Yeah, a fair amount of it, maybe not all. A of portion it, of right? it, right? Yeah, they're but... gonna they're gonna keep a cut. I think that uh, supposedly this whole thing was was organized from the highest levels, and so it, yeah. and so it was like they did a fairly decent job, supposedly. But again, it's but... you know Steve's point is is totally right. You you just have jewelry, right? If you have jewelry, you just toss it in a box or mm-hmm. you know whatever, and it's it's even it's harder to trace at that point. I mean. Yeah. You know, the number of super unique pieces of jewelry out there is because uh, yeah. you don't you don't want to you don't want to spend the time and effort it takes to for your people who you are employing yeah. to sit down and separate all of this. I mean, the Germans did this when they looted everybody, but they used slave labor to do that separation process. The Japanese didn't have a whole huge swath of that available, so that's a lot of effort on their part. Well, mm-hmm. also, it just doesn't ma- I mean, it just doesn't make sense no. that you would do that in the middle of a war. You, you Yeah, well, like and especially oh. when you're in these small areas. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And they would have. They would have probably actually not all of it would have been melted down into gold bars, but they they would have come across gold bars in banks and places yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I just I can't know. see them shipping it to the Philippines. It makes yeah. no sense. No, I agree. Yeah. All right. Sorry, everybody. I guess it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about it for this week. Unless you guys have anything more you want to say about mm. Yamashita's gold. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. All right. Well, if you guys, if you have any thoughts about it out there, listener person, uh, you can call. You can, listener you can, person? Yeah, I, can, no, I like that designation. Yeah, they it. are now yeah. l- not listeners. They're listener person. That's right. If you want to find a place to download our episodes, because obviously since you're listening, you obviously don't have a clue how to download our episodes, but you can find <laughs> it. You can find every episode on our, our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. You can leave comments. You can check our links because we have links to a lot of these mysteries. And, of course, you can listen to episodes. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes. You can subscribe, and hopefully you will also leave us a review. Even more, hopefully, it'll be a good review. That'd be nice. <laughs> uh, you can also stream us uh, from pretty much anywhere. There's billions and billions of apps for that, right? Yes. Billions. Yeah. That is yeah. a real number. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you'll also find us on Facebook. Uh, you can like us and follow us. Yes, please like us. Please. <laughs> And, uh, of course, we're on Twitter. We're a little different on Twitter. We're thinking sideways. We drop we're cooler. The yeah, yeah, we're cooler. Yeah. And Good to be hip. Last of all, if you want to send us a message at all, you can email us at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. 
We also uh, are launching a new project this week. We are. Um, we are officially on a site called Patreon. Um, if you go to patreon.com slash thinking sideways, you can pledge to donate a dollar amount per episode that we release. That is, it's kind of like we're doing a, the OPB membership drive. Yeah, we're, we're doing NPR a fundraiser membership drive. drive yeah. um, but this help. one will never end. It will never, ever end. <laughs> um, but there are some pretty cool incentives if you donate, you know, more than X number of and dollars per episode. And there's a video that explains everything on there. Um, it's a video of us. It is a video of us. So go ahead and go over there if you think that might be something that you'd be into. Yeah, I mean, we give then kind of break it down and Patreon on their site as well. Yep. Gives all the good particulars of how it operates and how it well, sets up. So yep. it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. So there's, that's, that's voluntary, of course. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 So check that out um, or there will be a wink, link on our website, not a wink. Also a wink. Uh-huh. I'll put a wink. Yeah. Uh, there's a wink. They're Perfect. all winks. <laughs> we have lots uh, and lots of winks on yeah, the website. We, we wink to all our websites. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, I think we're going to get yeah, out of here. Yeah, we should probably call this one done. Yeah. All right. See you next week, folks. Later, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.